the bonus pod. It's the dubmas pod, the Felice Nubby Dub, the most one dub full time of the year, whatever you want to call it. My name's Marissa Lordanik. I'm joined by Sam Lewis, Angela Christian Wilkes, and Anna Harrington. We hadn't spoken about the dub in any of or in any great detail in any of the previous episodes, we, so we decided to give you one big dub love fest all in one go. So it's not going to be structured like our usual pod. There'll be no boots or you love to see it. It's just going to be pure, unadulterated dub. So we'll crack into the previews, the chats, and just what we're all kind of expecting from the dub this season. So we'll work our way alphabetically through each team. First up, we've got Adelaide. So, Harrow, you're going to tell us a bit about Adelaide. What are you expecting from them this season? Well, Marissa, as always, lovely to be here, especially for a bonus pod. Um, as far as Adelaide United go, I think it's the same narrative we have every year. Is this the year they make the finals? Will they end this ongoing drought? Um, I think that's that's got to be the expectation for them. Um, I don't know if when you look at the various squads, they necessarily stack up in the top four, but as far as ambitions go, I think that's where they want to be. Um, it's obviously been an off-season of change for them. They've got a new coach, Adrian Stenter. Um, Sam, I might actually briefly throw to you in a moment because it has been a restructure under Bruce Jitte. Um, former coach Ivan Karlovic has moved into a more of an overseeing role and Adrian Stenter's got the role. What, what is this going to do for Adelaide United? Yeah, it's actually a really exciting moment for Adelaide, I think. Um, their off-field sorts of movements um, suggest that they're starting to take the W League and women's football a bit more seriously. So Ivan Karlovich has been promoted into uh, a sort of a more general um, head of women's football role. And in that role, he is going to be forming more partnerships with the sort of the state-based MPL clubs, um, strengthening pathways for women and girls into Adelaide United. And that has given Adrian Stenter, who has been Karlovich's assistant for a couple of seasons, the opportunity to step up and, and take the reins of his first senior side. Um, I think it's it's exciting for Adelaide because the, the squad that they've announced are largely the same from the past two or three seasons. And that consistency, um, coupled with the fact that Stenter has been working with this same crop of players for quite a while, suggests that they could, more than perhaps other teams who've had to rebuild from scratch, they could actually hit the ground running uh, a lot faster than other clubs. And so, yeah, so I'm, I'm super excited to see it. Well, I think hit the ground running is a really good point, um, Sam. When it comes to Adelaide United, we've seen in so many seasons because it's taken a while to, I guess, yeah, get their act together in terms of the squad settling, coming together. We heard Alex Gummer talk a few, about a few years ago when Ross Aloisi was coach having to take a few weeks to settle. But so much of this squad is the same. We know how important it is to get a, a fast start in the W League and that is exactly what they'll be aiming for. I think the Adelaide squad, when you look at it, it's such a team of what-ifs or could-theys of Australian football. So you've got players like Emily Condon who broke through for a Matildas cap and then I think got ill on young Matildas duty and has sort of struggled to recapture that really bright start to senior football that she had. Um, Charlotte Grant, Charlie Grant is a perennial sort of young Matilda, can she take the next step sort of player. We know she's got that raw athleticism, that pace. Um, it's whether she can go to the next level. Uh, I think something that's, well, one big departure, obviously, is Sarah Willisey, goalkeeper, who's headed off to Western Sydney 
Annalie Grove, I think, would be hoping to come in and, and fill that role pretty quickly. Um, so it's a big departure because Willisie obviously played a big role in terms of just saving so many chances. Like, I guess in terms of shielding that Adelaide defence at times, she uh, really helped them out there. Again, as Sam said, it's a pretty consistent squad. Players like Isabel Hodgson, Holmes, Johns, or both Hodgsons actually, Campagnoli, are all players we've seen in the W League for a long time. We know what they can do. We know they can play at the level. And I think in this sort of season, it's a real season of opportunity for these players to, as we talk about so often, show that they're not average players. They're players that can really make a mark on the competition. But if I was to look at one thing that I think is really, um, I guess, amazing for Adelaide given the circumstances, it's that Mallory Webber, the American, has come back for another season. She was so influential last season. I think it was four goals in 11 games and was really at the heart of everything good for attack for Adelaide last season. I think there's probably still some doubts there as to whether they have the real firepower to be right up there with the challenges. Do they have the consistency? Um, can they stop, I guess, letting in goals? I think all of these things are going to be big question marks. But in a season where you've actually got to have, a, I guess, a proper pre-season of sorts, um, I think they're probably in a pretty good position. Um, any other thoughts on Adelaide United? I am pretty excited about the role that Mallory Weber is going to be playing, um, mostly because I think she's going to be a really important leader and mentor for a lot of the younger strikers coming through. Um, so Chelsea Dorber, for example, has just come off her best ever season uh, in the South Australian NPL. She won the competition's golden boot and she has been sort of lauded by a number of Adelaide United staff members as the next big thing. Um, I remember speaking to Karlovic uh, when he took over his new role as the head of women's football and he said that Dorby is one of those players who is too good for the MPL and just needs the opportunity to crack into the W League and actually get some minutes. So we've seen a couple of glimpses of what she can do um, last season and the season previous, but I think this will be the opportunity for her to to really sort of make a mark on the on the team and on the league. Um, and that's something that I think Adelaide will really need because becoming overly reliant on one player, we've seen that that doesn't work out particularly well for teams in the past. And there is the possibility that that could happen with just having Mallory Weber there. So hopefully Dorber gets a chance as well. Well, Sam, and we saw that they obviously had Mary Fowler there last season, albeit for a limited time. And she was clearly the one they were putting their energies into in terms of being a, a target player, the forward that you want to get the ball to a lot. So Dorber should theoretically be getting a lot more ball coming her way if she does all the right things. And to be honest, they really need it. Like just I was having a look back before at the table from last year. They they only scored 12 goals in 12 games. So, you know, that's not going to win you a huge amount of games, especially given they were – well, they con- they actually conceded double. It was 12 and 24. So, you know, if you're regularly conceding, obviously they need to tighten up their defence. But if you can actually find a way to score goals more often and through different avenues, then I think they'll go a long way towards helping Adelaide United out. Another thing worth mentioning is that Adelaide have only got 13 players currently signed or publicly announced, uh, suggesting that there is probably a couple more that they've uh, they've got on the books and that they're going to be announcing in the next 
God, five days. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so there, there could be a couple more internationals that come in there. Um, there could be a couple of players. I know that uh, Kote Rojas, for example, has been playing in the MPL in South Australia. So she could come into the fold as well. So, yeah, sort of keep an eye on, on what Adelaide's going to be doing in the next week leading up to the season. Surely Kote Rojas is a logical signing in a year where you've got limited yeah. international signs. She's an international footballer. She was the best player, in I'm pretty sure, in SA's NPLW this season. She's experienced, she's a leader, she's a professional, and she can score bangers. Like, mm-hmm. what more could you want? So I really, really hope that they've been holding off on that announcement because I thought Cote Rojas was so wonderful in those glimpses we got to see for her at Canberra that to have a player who's based in Adelaide who can offer that experience and class, for me it's a no-brainer. Um, but, yeah, I guess watch this space. And a big no thank you to Adelaide for not having their full roster in place in time for this pod. All right, so there is a boot. It's to Adelaide for not having the full lineup. But I will ask one final question. You started with, is this the season that Adelaide make the finals? Is it? No, it's not. Sorry, Adelaide fans. <laughs> I, I, hope, I hope I'm wrong um, because I'd love to see them do it. I think if they can bring in a Cote Rojas who can add that extra bit of spice, then I think that fourth spot in the top four is really, or at least one or two spots in the top four are really up for grabs. Will they grab it? At this stage, I'm not convinced. Good answer. You've shown your working out. I appreciate it very much. So let's move on to Brisbane Raw. So Raw uh, finished fifth last season. It was one of the first times they had missed finals in a while. We've, or I've definitely joked about the fact that this season the um, Matildas exodus seemed to skip Brisbane all together. They've got a whole bunch of Tilly's talent returning in the likes of Claire Polkinghorne, Katrina Gorey, Tamika Yollop, Emily Gilnick. So there's definitely uh, a lot of things to be positive about in Brisbane and I think they're going to be the real barometer of how many Tillies do you actually need to have a successful season or can you you know, put things together and really make a go of it with more local, younger, undiscovered talent. Um, They've got a ridiculously um, experienced squad. So, like, between Polks, Yollop, Kim Carroll, uh, Katrina Gorey and Emily Gilnick, that's 594 W League appearances, which is an insane amount. So, you know, it's... A really good uh, thing for Jake Goodship to have that experience to rely on and for all these younger players and the players making the move up from the MPLW Queensland to kind of learn from and I suppose uh, enjoy that environment and learn in that environment. Um, speaking of the MPLW Queensland, the, the signing that I'm most interested to see is Marielle Hecker. So she was playing for Lions FC in the MPLW Queensland. She was the skipper. She's led them to -to back-to-back grand final wins. She was voted the player of the year. She was the golden boot with 22 goals, including one in the grand final. On paper, she seems like the absolute perfect signing for Brisbane. And last season, Hayley Razo was their top scorer with only four goals. So surely you would think, again, based on these stats, based on paper, she's going to absolutely tear this up. So it's going to be really interesting to see if she can translate that form from the state leagues into the actual dub. We've had players before. The one that immediately springs to mind was um, 
Meg McKellar got. So she was playing in the Queensland NPL a couple of seasons ago, had like a 50-goal season. People were absolutely raving about her. She trialled with Canberra United, got the contract, and then didn't do anything. So it's definitely a step up. So it's going to be interesting to see if Marielle can make that move up. The other one that interests me, Marissa, is former, well, most recently former victory player Rosie Sutton, who's never really gotten a look in in Brisbane because there's just been so much quality and she's obviously plied her trade elsewhere. Um, She was impressive in spurts, I thought, for victory last season. And she's also gone back to the, she's obviously a Queensland local, gone back to that MPLW uh, team of the season. And she's been named as the number nine in that with um, Hecka next to her. So you wonder if we're going to see some of these players link up. We know that Emily Gilnick is obviously, I guess, their sort of, for want of a better word, marquee signing in terms of forwards um, coming off her time in Europe. But as you say, you've got to have a few avenues to go. And I wonder if that Sutton, Hecker, Gilnick, you can get this really sort of, this really good combination of multiple avenues to go, which I think is something. And then you throw in, obviously, Katrina Gorey and um, Tamiki Ellip, who can score goals from midfield and push forward. It looks really, really dangerous. The thing that I'm really impressed by in terms of Brisbane signings is that they are really, really balanced across the entire field. So you've got a really solid spine of experienced players right down the middle, and they're all complemented by a whole bunch of local and young players. But like when you sort of look at the, uh, at the for example, the Beyond 90 um, sort of breakdown of the players, sort of into goalkeepers, defenders, midfielders and forwards, you've got a really important, really in form, really experienced player in each of those brackets. Um, and so because of that, like I think Brisbane are going to do really, really well this season. I think they're the, in terms of their squad balance, I think they look the best. Um, and you've got players in every single one of those areas on the field that knows what it's like to win the W League, to win a championship, to win a premiership. They've done it before. Um, I'm also really excited to look at Olivia Chance. Uh, she's a new, she's a Kiwi. She came over from most recently from Sheffield United in England. Um, we sort of had a couple of discussions in previous episodes about the whole Wellington Phoenix thing, and we now actually are seeing a whole bunch of Kiwis coming into the league um, in different teams. And Olivia Chance is um, is quite widely regarded in New Zealand circles, so I'm hoping that she gets an opportunity, even though we do have Gore, we do have Yallop, and we do have Letitia McKenna, who had a really great season with Perth when Sam Kerr was still there. I, I am sort of hoping that Olivia Chance gets a, gets a chance. And I think, Marissa, you posed me the big question about Adelaide United. I think the big question, Brisbane Raw haven't been champions for all their, like, quality players, their accolades, their getting so, so close in the W League. They've not won the championship since 2010-11. Is this the season? No, it's not. Um it's just, that's the thing. I think you you make a really good point in the sense that they've always kind of been there, thereabouts. They're one of you know the strongest sides in the competition. They have been making finals heaps. They have always kind of been there. I still don't think this is the season, and that's maybe not a reflection on them, but a reflection of I think other squads are stronger and will go further so I definitely think they're in the mix for finals but I don't think this is the season 
for them. I wanted to mention uh, two more things on Brizzy before we move on. So we've mentioned Yollop, you know, she's an excellent player, but she hasn't played basically all year. She's been very busy being a new mum, enjoying that time. So she hasn't really been playing much. So I'm interested to see if that has any effect on her quality, on what she puts out for this team. And uh, the other one I'm really looking forward to is Georgina Worth in the goal. So she's kind of been the perennial understudy behind Mackenzie Arnold at uh, Brisbane Raw this year with no Macca. You would think it's her time to shine and prove her worth. Um, (laughs) But, um, yeah, she was, again, another one who had a really strong season in the MPLW Queensland and, we talk about it a lot. It's She's one of those players that absolutely fits the definition of she needs to grab this opportunity that's been presented to her. So it'll be very exciting to see uh, what she does and how this Brisbane team as a whole uh, carries on. So let's continue on to Canberra. Angela, you are our resident Canberra Nuff. What are you liking about Vicky Linton's squad so far? Uh, I think I just like, the narrative this year around this Canberra United squad, um, I think if you put it into one word, it would be like homecoming, I suppose, because you've had a few different players who've ended up elsewhere over the years. So Grace Ma, Nikki Flannery, Michelle Heyman is a big one um, that are now returning to Canberra under um, Vicky, head coach Vicky Linton's leadership. Um, and I think... I don't know if it's just me being excited, but I feel like there's a lot of excitement around this squad. It has been quite a big turnover. They've had like the bulk of their squad left and Vicky Linton has made a lot of signings coming in. Um, And I'm definitely not the first person to notice that a lot of those have come from Sydney University's MPLW side. So whilst it is I suppose a point of concern that it is like probably a massive refresh for the entire team. At the same time, there's those connections already there. So hopefully that they'll be able to gel a little bit quicker. Um, And I know that quite a few of the young, like younger players have played together in things like the young Matilda setup as well. So yeah, um, I think last season Canberra finished sixth. They had a really rough trot the second half of the season there was like four four nil losses which is no good but I don't think I just the chemistry that um I think we'll see from this side that shouldn't be so much of a concern coming into this year they have I speaking earlier about losses Nicola Orgel has gone to Western Sydney Wanderers that'll be a big one and I guess another big thing for this side is they are still quite a young side as well but a lot of these teams are quite young so maybe it just evens out the playing field as we've talked about a lot on this podcast before this season having youth isn't necessarily going to be it's going to be the great equalizer in a lot of ways um yeah I think that's pretty much everything with this side is it Angela is there a certain watch you're forgetting about oh yeah of course Michelle Heyman watch that's, that's going to be out in full force, of course, of course. Um, and when I was when it was coming to me looking at the list of players and thinking one to watch, obviously Michelle Hay would be one of those. Um, and really excited to see her get back out there on the pitch. But I think for me, um, 
Grace Ma in the midfield, um, she didn't get a whole lot of game time last year at Victory, but I think not only is it going to be exciting to see her sort of come back to Canberra, but also take on more of a leading role within the team. And I think she definitely has it um, in her. And she also spoke so beyond 90. Thank you for the team list. You guys are a lifesaver. But um, Stefan Mobus at Beyond 90 did a little article with a chat between Grace and Nikki, who are besties. It's real cute. And she was talking about how she was like one of the oldest players in the um, recent Matilda's identification camp set up. And so she was taking on more of a leadership position um, at, at those trainings. So I think that might translate into um, her playing for Canberra United as well. Um, but, yeah, in, in saying that there are a few um, older players like Jesse Rashart who are returning as well and will be important in terms of leading from the defence, that sort of thing. Kendall Fletcher, I think, will be really important in that respect as well. She comes back to Canberra um, after sort of being out in the world, not even doing W League stuff, but uh, she returned to Sydney Uni uh, in the MPL this year and, and was excellent. Um, and I think she's going to be playing a really important sort of anchor mental role for a lot of those younger midfielders, um, particularly Bianca Galich, who comes with her from Sydney Uni, and Laura Hughes, who I think has been pretty underrated and pretty under-discussed. But Laura Hughes is is really loved by Canberra locals. Um, she's a, you know, she came through the football system there and um, she sort of never really got a, a decent run, perhaps, under Heather Garriock. So I think her alongside Mara and Fletcher um, is a pretty formidable midfield. But just on in terms of the younger players as well, uh, one one young player that we haven't really talked about in terms of Canberra is Jessica Nash. So she is the captain of the Junior Matildas. Um, she's a centre-back and she is fantastic. She was one of the standouts for the Junior Matildas in their more recent um, sort of tournaments, I think last towards the end of last year. And uh, Ray Dower just raves about her. Um, she's incredibly mature. She's got a really um, solid head on her shoulders. She's a great leader for someone who's 17. And I think she's going to learn quite a lot um, from people like Rashad and Fletcher and Heyman in terms of um, what it means to be part of a, a serious professional football culture like Canberra seems to have this season. Bit of uh, Carly Ross back in 2.0, hopefully. Yeah, for sure. That's it. Big question mark, I suppose, the Carly Ross back in question. People weren't sure if she would be heading back for W League. At this point in time, she hasn't been signed, and so I think we would assume no. And she also had a, a foot injury, I think it was, towards the end of the Norway season. So, But I think Canberra are in good hands. Um, and also, I just realised, Sam, by default of you being an MPL nuff, you're now a Canberra enough (laughs) you probably can speak to this like squad a lot more than I can just by default of being around the MPL New South Wales and and watching this Sydney team across the past year so welcome (laughs) thank you no it's great to be here (laughs) guys you know I'm also really keen to see um is Nikki Flannery um I feel like she had such a bright start at Canberra she was obviously in young Matildas and that um she had some really nasty injuries at Canberra um, and then got some game time um, in, I think it was the first Heather Garriott, first or second Heather Garriott season. And um, I think has fallen off the radar a little bit, went to Newcastle, had some promising moments, had another bit of an injury. I'd love to see if she can put it all together at Canberra this time around because there's clearly talent there. 
and ability and she's clearly very well liked at, at Canberra. As you mentioned before, Angela, her and Grace Ma are very close. I hope this is the sort of season, and we mentioned it with some of the Adelaide ones earlier, that someone like a Nikki Flannery can start to put things all together. Um, that's what I'd like to see um, out of Canberra. And I suppose for me, um, I would love to see Nikki Flannery um, enjoying her football again in the W League because I think, yeah, these past two seasons have been a bit of a rough trot and I don't know if she was feeling it as much as she had prior to those past two seasons. That was a really weird, badly worded sentence, but footballers who are enjoying themselves, thumbs up for me and I hope Nikki can get back out there and, and be smiling and having a good time this season as well. All right, so let's move down to Victoria and the first of the Melbourne teams. Melbourne City are the perennial champions, but thanks to the kind of changing landscape of the W League, it's going to be really interesting to see what their role in the dub is and if that changes thanks to these changes in the landscape. Harry, you've run your eye over the team. What are you making of the squad? It's fascinating, Melbourne City. We've talked about in the past about how many exits they've got. Like obviously, Emily Van Egmond and Ellie Carpenter and Kaya Simon are some of the high-profile ones as well. But the loss of Steph Catley and Lydia Williams is going to be huge to overcome. The leadership, they're people that they're culture definers. They're the sort of people that create the culture that bring everyone along for the ride. Um, in the past, I guess they overcame the loss of Jess Fishlock, who was a big driver and Lauren Barnes is another one who's gone as well it is a totally overturned city yes there's some names that are back again like Emma Checker TJ Vlanich um obviously Melissa Barbieri is still around um Raleigh Dobson's been there for years but on the whole Rado Vidicic has so much work to do because not only have they lost some real quality players they've lost some big personalities um people who define the dressing room people who have set the standards year in, year out. Uh, that said, I think there's been some pretty shrewd recruiting at City. Um, I think it was clever to pounce on Tegan Micah, who obviously played at Victory last year but didn't get a run because of Casey Dumont's form. Really good pickup. I think she is ready to really kick on after a good season in Norway. Sam Johnson out of retirement is a really interesting signing. She's mature. She can do a job. We know she's still quality. She hasn't been that long in retirement. And I think it was quite shrewd as well to pick up Jenna McCormick, like identify that there's a player that wasn't necessarily getting game time overseas, was probably ready to come back and pounce there. So they do have the makings of a reasonable backline, I think. Um, if you look at their back three, they would have had last year. You'd probably do the same with Checker, McCormick and Johnson. Tegan Allen has returned and can play one of the fullback or wingback roles. and. Taylor J. Vlanich has shown she can do that job as well. So I think there's at least that sort of defensive grit that they can build around. Um, I think the questions really start to come further up the pitch. Um, I know that Sam rates players like uh, Tori Tumuth quite highly um, and Julia Sardo was obviously at Perth before. Players like Leah, Leah Davison and Holly Palmer I think are good signings in terms of we know that they can play at the level, but there is still such a drop-off in quality. That the other ones that I forgot to mention who left um, who and who I don't believe are coming back. Ivy Lewick is gone, and I don't think Yukari Kinger will be coming back. Those are more players that were crucial 
uh, defensively, in terms of setting the culture, in terms of being reliable week in, week out. So I think there's some big question marks over the midfield. Signing that I'm really excited about um, came this week, Chinatsu Mira, uh, the Japanese player who is going to be a playmaker, is a goal scorer, um, and I think can really offer a bit of a point of difference if she thrives. Um, That's always the thing that's yet to be seen in terms of uh, we see it in the A-League, we see it in the W-League. How do your imports settle? Um, How do they fit in? Can they make their mark on the competition? It's it's really weird because I think we're so used to Melbourne City always being a picture of consistency or at least having some constants. There was the year where they recruited Elise Cullen Knight and Tamiki Allopin missed the finals. Um, that was the year they didn't have Ivy Lewick, I'm pretty sure. But this year there's just been so much change. It's really hard to know where they're going to fall. Sam? Yeah, I I, I agree. I, I think this is going to be the the season that City um, fall out of the running um, in any serious way. I mean, even when they did miss finals, they were still sort of in and around it. But I think this is actually the season that City dropped down sort of to mid to lower table just because there is so much changeover. And a lot of these players haven't played together before either. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, we sort of spoke about this with Adelaide, but it's maybe worth mentioning that City – don't have really that many recognisable strikers uh, currently signed. They have Riley Dobson basically signed up. Um, Sophia Sakalis, another young promising player, has been involved in City for a while, is more of an attacking midfielder. Holly Palmer, more of an attacking midfielder. So there is still space there perhaps for City to announce some big forward signings and perhaps they will. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I just don't really see it happening. I'm excited for players to finally be given a go, um, to be given a serious run. I think Holly Palmer especially is a really exciting signing for City. Um, she was really good at Brisbane, has always showed really, um, sort of cool glimpses of potential, but now given the low stocks, I feel like she might play an increasingly important role, which is really exciting. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I would, I, I would hesitate to say that City will finish any higher than fifth, probably. And the thing that has been really difficult, and I'll mention it now because we're going to touch on Melbourne victory after this, is we've mentioned it in pause before, there was no NPLW season in Victoria. So while victory, and we'll talk about them, have gambled on some players that have exposed form, there was no exposed form from anyone in Victoria this year. Um even a Sophia Sakalis, who's really got talent, missed all of last year with an ACL, hasn't been able to get game time even at state league level down here in Melbourne to showcase what she can do. And Sam, I agree completely re-strikers. There's not really – Riley Dobson's more of a winger. There's mm. not really a recognised number nine per se. I've got queries over the midfield depth. Um, and we are talking – I spoke about Adelaide before, about some of the players that are probably on a similar level to your likes of Palmer and Davidson. But at least they've all played together before. They know their structure. They know where they belong. Yep. I've just got so many questions. And, yeah, if Rado Vidicic got the best team in the league that he could work with and knew that they would deliver every week, it's an entirely different challenge this year. So I think that's going to be fascinating to see how he deals with it. I think also, um, so last pod I mentioned, oh, yeah, back three with like Sam Johnson, Emma Checker and Jenna McCormick. But when you go back to that like list of defenders, they have a lot of great defenders, too many great defenders when you Mm. look at 
you're like, oh, yeah, Gene Allen, ah, yeah, Jenna McCormick. And then you go down the list and it's like, forwards, Ra- Riley Dobson. Yep. <laughs> that, all her. And so, like, and that's not to um, talk badly about Riley Dobson. I think she's a great player. But, yeah, you need other forwards. Surely I'm not a coach, but I think I might know enough to know that you need some more forwards. Yeah, it's a weird one. Um, I sort of had this whole time I was thinking about City and I'm like, oh, yeah, they're, they're probably in for a chance and then now that I've gone back to that list of signings I'm like oh okay this is they're in trouble potentially look at this you'd have to think they'll have to go the back three and wing backs again just to get some I guess more oomph like happening in attack um you you got to make the most of the running ability of these players like Vlanich and um and Tegan Allen You, you can't just play I guess a gritty back four because it just doesn't seem that there is there are the cattle in front. Like it's um it's going to be a really really interesting season, and they may well prove us wrong. But at this stage, I think it's difficult to see. Certainly, it's very very difficult to see them go back to back. And I think finals is what they have to push for. And then with City, we know whatever happens happens. But at this stage, I think they've got to really push for yeah, push for finals, and that's the focus. I feel like strikers have always been a kind of a contentious point for City. Like when Jess Fishlock left, one of the major points was, oh, my God, that's a real kind of uh, talismanic player that you build your squad around. But also she was their top scorer like two seasons in a row. So, And they have struggled in uh, certain spaces to get those goals. Like even last year, Emily Van Egmond was their top scorer. So I, I really do have a lot of question marks over where where their goals are coming from. Um, but let's carry on with the other Melbourne side, Melbourne Victory. Angela, they've made semifinals two seasons in a row now. Are they going one better this season? Why would you hit me with that question up front? I hadn't even <laughs> considered that and now I'm going to start <laughs> hyperventilating. Oh, man. Okay. Um yeah, this victory side. I think they've put together a good little squad, but going back to what Anna just said, my main concern is around game time from this year because we've got some great names coming in from the MPL. Um, I would recommend listening to our pod with Alex Gummer to get the the four one one on some of those, like Catherine Zimmerman. Um, and then you've got Claudia. Well, Claudia Bunge is coming over from New Zealand, but Kayla Morrison was another big name um, in the MPL. And I think that she's actually been playing this year. So maybe my argument there doesn't stand as strong. But yeah, this year we've been depleted of football in Victoria. Um, so whilst across the squad and across your, your goalkeepers, your defenders, your midfielders, your forwards, um, a lot of players have re-signed and a lot of really great core players such as Angie Beard, Amy Jackson, Polly and they're all coming back and that's going to make a really great spine for the squad. It will be interesting just that fitness side of things. That's, that's the main area for concern. Otherwise, I think that, yeah, um, there's a, a good mix of old and new coming in. Lisa Devanna. That's a wild card that I was not expecting Um, and she's going to provide hopefully what City perhaps lack, some some spice up front. Um, And, yeah, Catherine Zimmerman, already talked about her a lot, but a great little find from Calder United um, goal scorer as well. That's what 
I think a lot of fans were wondering with um, Tats Dowie not coming back, who's going to score the goals. I think they've got some really great options there. So, yeah, um, all in all, I'm feeling positive. But the semi-final thing, I don't even know if that's down to squad quality or if it's, you know, I don't even know what goes on there because they could have won both of their semifinals and they just chose not to. They they chose pain. So <laughs> Anna, do you uh, have anything to add? I have many thoughts beyond pain. I think Lisa Devanna could go a long way towards solving that pain issue because she's a big game performer. They actually the last time, the one and only time they won the championship. It was in 2013-14 when Lisa Devanna played a key part of that squad. She's a winner. She knows how to score in big games. She knows how to lead. She knows how to set standards. That's what she'll want to do. Um, speaking to her um, at the launch, uh, that's what she said she was there to do. She likes working with the younger players and she wants to deliver. And the thing that I think she adds, and actually this whole victory forward mix adds, is unpredictability. I think they have been very easy to telegraph for the past couple of seasons because there's Tats Dowie and then there's players working around Tats Dowie. But everyone knows who the player is who scores the majority of the goals, right? So I think that's something that's quite exciting in terms of maybe giving Jeff Hopkins something a bit different to work with, um, making them a bit less predictable. Um, I think that Catherine Zimmerman is going to be really interesting to watch to see how she goes. Um We've talked so many times about how this is probably the season where Melina Ayres needs to step up and show she can be a regular, consistent goal scorer. And I think she'll be given every opportunity to do that as well. Um, Kyra Cooney-Cross is super exciting in terms of being able to deliver goals from midfield, push forward, maybe be a bit of an attacking fulcrum. I think it's a really exciting season, a great opportunity for her. Um she did so well at the Wanderers, but I actually think they might be able to get even more out of her at victory this year because I think that one-two combo of um, Amy Jackson and Annalie Longo, I don't know if Natalie Martin will break in there, are just very consistent. You know what you're going to get. They do the hard work. They both know how to score goals as well, um, which is something that's probably underrated. They've both scored multiple goals in single games. Um my big question mark over victory is defence. Um, I think Angie Beard is a fantastic player. Uh, Claudia Bunge is highly rated but hasn't played in the league before and Kayla Morrison is, Nat Tatham's a handy pickup, but Kayla Morrison is someone who's been very, very good in the MPLW but will want to prove that she can, um, I guess, step up to the level in the W League. I wouldn't be surprised to see Leah Privatelli Leah play as that sort of wing back or even at full back again um, just because she's very reliable. But for me, that's where the question mark is. I think the the midfield may have to do a lot of work defensively and grit-wise, not something Amy Jackson and Annalie Longo are scared of because I think there's maybe that bit of vulnerability and they also don't have Casey Dumont in goal to be that consistent presence. So I like the mix victory you've got. I think it's a very exciting one, but I do have queries over the reliability of their defence, especially with Laura Brock not there anymore. sort of feels like victory have the opposite problem to City. Yeah. Like their forward line is absolutely stacked. The attacking players that they have are super talented and you know that they're going to score heaps of goals. But it's when you get towards the back of the field that you start to be like, oh, maybe that's actually not uh, not as solid as we thought it was. I'm really interested to see how um, how the goalkeeping department handles mm-hmm. the loss of not just Dumont but also of Tegan Micah, you know, two of last season's probably like 
player for player, probably the best goalkeepers in the league outside of the internationals. Um, Gabby Garten is an interesting uh, pickup from from Essendon Royals. She's uh, she's represented Argentina at the international level. Like that's super exciting. Um, so yeah, and again, defensive depth. Cab Bunge hasn't played in the league before, even though she. Uh, I mean, basically every Kiwi in the league is really highly rated, but Bunge, I think more than most, is really considered a sort of a future star of the football fans. Um, but she's coming into a league that she's unfamiliar with. She's going to be paired up with players she's never played with before. Kayla Morrison is coming into a level she hasn't played at before. Nat Tatham, I think, has been great. You know, she's been sort of in and around Brisbane for a really long time, but... Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just, um, you know, we've spoken about this in the last episode, like attack wins games, defence wins championships. And so I'm wondering if this is going to be a victory's championship season or not based on this lineup. Sam, we just talked about the attack being stacked. We are recording uh, Friends of the Pod on Wednesday morning. Just checked my emails and victory have confirmed the signing of another attacker, <laughs> Tiffany Eliadis. Um, they've listed her as a midfielder. She's best known, I suppose, as scoring bucket loads of goals for South Melbourne in the MPLW. Um, She's previously been on Victory's List. I feel like she's never really kicked on at the W League level. She's been a classic player who's scored and scored and scored at MPLW level. Um, But now, and she is apparently their final signing of the campaign, Uh, another attacker can play in the midfield. Just, uh, yeah, as you say, Sam. I think we thought if there was going to be another signing, it might be a defender. But, yeah, Tiffany Eliadis completes Jeff Hopkins' roster. So a little bit of uh, late and break and signing news here on the Far Post pod. Okay, complete. All right. I'm I'm happy that we've got a complete squad. But, again, now we've talked about all this defence chat, I'm stressed. <laughs> <laughs> so the question is, um, this is for Angela. Um because I feel like you didn't really answer Marissa's question off the top. You got a bit stressed. Is this the Melbourne Victory team that can break the drought? Nah. <laughs> Why? Emphatic. I just don't – I don't know. I feel like definitely top four. I'm positive about that. But I've just had my heart broken too much with the semifinals. And – I it's early days to be asking that question, isn't it? I don't know. I'm just going to avoid it again. I'm not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you didn't avoid it. You emphatically said nah. no. Nah. Okay, <laughs> fine. I don't have the working. I don't have. I haven't done my working out. I just don't. In my waters, I feel like this isn't going to be the side that wins um, a championship. Unfortunately, even though. Lisa Devanna, as you said, she has that quality of just like forcing wins into existence. But yeah, I'm not. I'm not so sure. I'm gonna turn that nut into a sting because it made me laugh, and I liked it a lot. But let's continue moving. So Newcastle Jets are next up. They publicly did not have a squad last week, so that was. Fun when thinking about doing a dub preview episode, whether we would actually have players to talk about for the Jets. But um, we we spoke about it a little bit uh, last episode. So I'll kind of repose the question. The fact that they've left it so late, is that going to be an issue in their, their season, Sam? 
I don't think so um, because there is a difference between publicly announcing players and players who've already been together for a while. Um, we saw in the uh, in the preseason that Newcastle actually defeated Sydney FC in a friendly uh, 1-0 and that goal came from one of their newest signings, Sophie Harding, who's been recruited from the Koalas in the New South Wales NPL. So, I mean, I think that I, I'm thinking about Newcastle in the same way that I'm thinking about Adelaide in the sense that they have a squad who has been largely kept together from the last season. Um, they're in there with Ash Wilson, who was the uh, the deputy under um, Craig Deans uh, before he, he uh, was seconded to the men's side. Ugh. So Ash Wilson is familiar with the players that she has at her disposal now. Um, she was sort of shunted into the role late last season and, and really struggled there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, nothing is, is especially um, surprising, I guess, about the squad that Newcastle have announced. We've still got the the return of Tara Andrews, their top scorer. She's been at the club since, gosh, for almost a decade now. Um, we've got the return of really important uh, players like Claire Coelho, the goalkeeper, who I thought was really, really good for Newcastle last year. Um, Hannah Brewer's back, Cassidy Davis is back, Gemma Simon is back, Tessa Tamplin's back. So defensively, it's basically the same uh, the same lineup as what we had last season, and they were pretty good last season. I think they'll probably uh, they'll probably kick on from there. And they've also added Taryn King uh, from Canberra United, who again, really good player. Uh, she was really good for Sydney University last couple seasons as well. She comes in with Tiana Jaber from Western Sydney, who never really got much of a run when she was there last season either. So defensively, they're looking good. In attack, uh, pretty pretty exciting as well. Again, Andrews is there alongside Lauren Allen. She returns um, after a really good season um, with the Northern Tigers in the New South Wales MPL. Um, they're joined by a couple new faces. So I've already talked about Sophie Harding. Um, Evelyn Cronus and Gemma House come into the setup as well. They're, they're players that nobody um, sort of really knows about either. They're the sort of northern New South Wales areas. And, again, last last episode we talked about Sunny Franco a little bit as well. She's been kicking around the W League every now and then a couple, last, a couple seasons, but she's back. Uh, she had a really good season with Manly um, alongside some of the players that Newcastle have picked up. So there are sort of pockets of chemistry that, that Wilson and the club have created by um, signing certain players. But the big concern that I have is in midfield. Um, you know, in the, in the Beyond 90 um, list, there are three identifiable midfielders and all three of them come from the MPL, having never played W League before. So we have uh, Alicia Bass, we have Chloe O'Brien, and we have Rihanna Policina. Um, really good players, really exciting players who are sort of emerging through the system. Alicia Bass um, has experience overseas. She was in the US college system for a little bit. Chloe O'Brien was captain of Manly United, and Policina has been with Arpia um, for the last sort of two seasons, two or three seasons, and I think also has experience with the Australian schoolgirl squad, maybe, if I'm, I can't remember. Um, but, yeah, uh, depth in midfield is a concern. They have lost some really important midfielders in the off-season, including uh, number one fave Claire Wheeler, who's gone to Sydney FC. Uh, Libby Copas-Brown, one of their most important players in midfield last season, has gone to Wanderers. Um, and uh, sort of a couple of others have also sort of spread their wings elsewhere. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not – I don't think um, – I don't think Newcastle will finish last. If that's worth anything, they got the wooden spoon last year, uh, but I don't think they'll do that again. I think the I think the consistency of majority of the players that they've got um, will stand them in pretty good stead. I don't think they'll crack the top four, 
but I, I think that they'll probably start to cause some upsets, particularly towards the back end of the season, um, when particularly the, the the sort of the new strikers that they've got start to find a little bit more form and, and perhaps cause some upsets to some more of the favourite sides. So, yeah, super keen to see how Newcastle go. I think they can, I mean, they, they finished last last season, so the only way is up, right? I think you've summed it up perfectly there. So let's crack right along. Uh, we travel west now to Perth Glory, in, and they're a really interesting side. I feel like basically I'm about to present the case about why they have been the most corona-affected team in the league and just how shit everything has been for them for lack of a better adjective. So... Um, you know, it was only November that Bobby Despotovsky stepped down. So everything that they've done from that point has, you know, come together in a really quick uh, time frame. They've announced Alex Aparkas as their new coach who's come over from Sydney Uni, which I think is one of, if not the biggest positives of the entire Perth story and their kind of narrative uh, for this season. But, um, the the very excellent Beyond 90 preview on the Perth team by Neil Bennett um, says that, you know, Alex only got out of his mandatory hotel quarantine uh, when he flew over to WA a couple of days, maybe a week ago. Most of a fair chunk of his squad is still in quarantine after they've come over from uh, New South Wales. They've got a couple of Kiwis as well. So just everything has been slapped together in a really quick time frame and it's just it very much feels like how could this possibly go right how could anything possibly kind of come together in a sort of positive way so it's going to be really interesting to see I almost feel like because they've missed out on a pre-season the season is unfortunately going to be their pre-season so I think best case scenario is they um, do the very kind of classic W League thing where they figure out all the kinks in the first kind of two-thirds of the season and then ideally come home really strong and we start to see the kind of seeds of good things that will hopefully take Perth forward into the, the following seasons. I think you're spot on, Marissa. I think it might be a classic Adelaide United style season for want of a better term where you spend the first I don't know six weeks eight weeks trying to figure it all out not getting results and then you pull some through at the end and you start getting your hopes up but you fall short um I I think that's probably almost a best case scenario unless they can jag a couple of results early because it just seems so difficult and I think you'd argue as well the uncertainty over Perth is probably without knowing the full ins and outs, what cost them the chance of retaining players like Letitia McKenna and um, maybe even Morgan Aquino. I'm not sure about Kim Carroll because she's obviously uh, from Queensland initially, but I'd say like McKenna as a local talent, you've probably lost because of all the uncertainty. It's just such a difficult position to be in. Um, And we've mentioned before the challenge for Perth in terms of signing players like Alex Parker surely would have loved to have signed some of his um, some of his MPLW girls and brought them over, but when it's all been so late and they've already committed to other clubs or been snapped up um, or can't really, you know, even the quarantine situation, if you're working or studying or whatever, it's very difficult if you've got to look at two weeks enforced isolation and or hotel quarantine depending on your situation. So 
the odds are very much stacked against them, which is why I think I've said this before, Perth fans just have to be patient. And I know that's frustrating when you're used to having a team that is right near the top, especially when they had Sam Kerr and that bevy of Americans. But I think it's going to be a season of patience for Perth fans, Sam. That's not to say that there's nothing to look forward to with this Perth squad. I mean, I think that there are, considering the circumstances, I think there are some really, really exciting players who are coming through. Um, and like Aparkas has sort of told me um, in the last couple of weeks that if he had had more time, he absolutely would have taken a big crop of players that he has worked with previously, not just at Sydney Uni, but also at Canberra. He was an assistant under Heather Garriock in the 2017 season, I believe. So he has experience at W League level. He knows the kind of squad that he wants. Um, but it's just that the last-minute nature of all this sort of stuff has made that really difficult to happen. But I think he is still – he's the kind of coach, I think, that really embraces challenges like this. And the squad that he has been able to put together already sort of has a bit of a Parker's flavour to it. He's capitalised on the availability of Malia Steinmetz, who's a, another Kiwi midfielder. She played for the Northern Tigers in 2019 and was perhaps the best midfielder in the competition outside of university. Um, he's brought across Lily Alfeld, uh, sort of an up-and-coming uh, Kiwi goalkeeper. Uh, Elizabeth Anton, really more, more experienced Kiwi player as well. And those, uh, you know, those sorts of signings are really astute and they they tell me that he has a plan in place even though plan A is, is sort of off the cards. Um, but what I'm really, really, really looking forward to is Hannah Lowry. We saw Hannah Lowry uh, sort of emerge in the W League last season towards the back end of the campaign. She is just the most exciting young player. She's a junior Matilda. She's 18. She's an attacking midfielder. She has just a, a sort of a beast level understanding of football for someone her age, um, like a sort of a matrix level vision as well. She is able to pick passes that nobody else on the field can see. Really, really exciting. And even though we have lost Letitia McKenna, we've also uh, got her younger sister, Tian McKenna, uh, brought in to fill her place in midfield. So that'll be an interesting combo. I'm also really keen to see Caitlin Douglas again because I really rate her. I think she's a really exciting, um, really dynamic, sort of attacking midfield striker type of player. Um, and looking at their squad, you know, strikers are something that are quite uh thin on the ground at the moment. You know, we've got the return of Katarina Jukic, who scored that absolute banger for uh, one of the Perth um, MPL clubs in the off-season. And we've got the return of Mariana Tabane, which is super fun. But I think, yeah, going forward, Perth are probably going to need to um, sort of figure out a couple more players to bring into that fold. And, and Douglas and Lowry, I think, are the answers to that question. Sam, it was only about 15 minutes ago where you were accepted your honorary Cam- Canberra United fanship. Now, we at Perth Glory, we may have lost the teacher, but we have her sister. Damn, they can't, they can't all be your teams. I know they're all your dubbed children, but <laughs> it can't be we for everyone. And if you're, on a serious note, um, I'll be really keen to see how Tash Rigby kicks on after being called into um, that Matilda's Talent ID camp. I think it's really exciting to see players um, who've, I guess, done the hard yards in the W League and at lower levels for a while, really get the recognition and the chance to see where they've got to step up and learn. I think it's something that benefited like a Jenna McCormick in terms of seeing how far you have to go to get to the next level. And I'm really hoping that Rigby is one of those players. Actually, I just hope all defenders and defensive midfielders, to be honest, get that sort of insight. And even if a few of them can go to that next level, that's fantastic. So I think... 
And obviously as captain, she's got such a big role to play. Um, so, yeah, hopefully she can lead from the back and help Perth even just jag a couple of early results would go a long way in terms of building that confidence. Absolutely. And I think Yukich is another one we need to add to that folder of players who have absolutely killed it in the MPLW that kind of need to make their mark in the dub this season. So it's going to be really interesting to see how Perth go. So we'll continue on to Sydney FC. I feel like they've been ready for this W League season since August. They've been ready before the league's been ready. They're just like, we're waiting for yous. Where are you? <laughs> kind of, come on, get on with it. Um, is that going to be a, uh, is that going to be a benefit to them this season, Sam? Yeah, I mean, I, it, it'll definitely stand them in good stead. They were the first W League squad to announce their, you know, their, their full playing roster, um, even basically before we knew if the W League was going ahead. So, like, shout out to Sydney for taking the initiative on that one. But I think what's uh, what's really going to benefit Sydney is that the vast majority of the players that they've re-signed this season are re-signings. They're signings from previous seasons. They have all played together at some stage in the last two or three years, not just at Sydney FC, but also at MPL level. Um, they've obviously experienced a similar loss of senior Matildas. They've lost Lana Kennedy, Chloe Legazzo, Caitlin Ford. I think Ford and, and Legazzo are perhaps going to be the biggest losses um, in terms of stats. You know, Ford was Sydney's uh, top assistant even towards the end of the season after she left early. Uh, she played a really important attacking role there. And so how they compensate for that's going to be interesting. They've also lost, of course, their Americans. So they've lost Aubrey Bledsoe in goal. They've lost Sophia Huerta, who was their outstanding fullback. They've lost Lindsay Agnew, the Canadian who sort of came in a little bit later into Sydney season. Um, and they also lost Veronica Latsko, uh, the striker, who was really important for them. But I think that this this Sydney squad, as you said, Marissa, it's, it sort of feels like they've been preparing for this season for a while, um, and not just in the sense that you referenced, but in the sense that these are players that have been in the Sydney FC fold for a really long time. So we've got players like Ali Green, Angela Christodoulou, Liz Ralston, Taylor Ray, Nat Tobin, um, Princess Abini, of course, Remy Seamson, all these players who are really familiar with each other and they have a really good chemistry um, at club level and also at national team level. Like a lot of these players have played together for the young Matildas as well. So I'm I'm actually really looking forward to seeing how they are able to step up now um, in the absence of these senior players because I think a lot of them can. It's just that they haven't been given the opportunity. Um, if there are any concerns, I think it's in goal. Uh, Aubrey Bledsoe obviously was an extraordinary goalkeeper and um, they've, you know, Sydney FC have brought in uh, Jada Matthyssen-Wyman from the Wanderers, but she, even though she's sort of lauded as the heir apparent to Lydia Williams, um, her body just doesn't want her to be that, apparently. She is chronically, chronically injured um, and she never has really been given a, a solid good season at any W League club just yet. So it's going to be interesting to see whether she's able to uh, fulfil that potential and live up to the hype that that really surrounds her. Um, but a couple of other players I am really excited to see. Rachel Lowe returns from a stint at UCLA in, in the US. Uh, she played alongside Tegan Micah there for two seasons um, but has come back to Australia, I think, perhaps after just not really loving it there. And also who can blame her considering what's happening in the US at the moment. 
Um, so Rachel Lowe is is a really cool player. She uh, broke onto the scene with the Wanderers. She's an attacking midfielder, which Sydney really need. Um, the kind of player I think that rivals Kara Cooney Cross in in a lot of ways. They have a very similar kind of style. And again, in midfield, I've mentioned it before when I talked about Newcastle, but the pickup of Claire Wheeler, I just think is is ex- exceptional. It's a really good piece of business. She's still really young. Um, and we've spoken about her in the context of future Matilda's number sixes as well. Have so, you, Sam? Have we, yes, have no, we did you know that? Yeah, weird. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm really keen to see how she how she performs in a uh, in a in a I guess a bigger club uh, and in a team with different sets of expectations and different kinds of dynamics around her. Um, and yeah, and up front, of course, we've uh, we've seen the recruitment of Courtney Vine from the Wanderers and Alira Toby from Brisbane. Slash from her Portuguese club where she didn't play all that much anyway. Um, and within there, sort of tucked within there, is also the recruitment of Charlie Rule from the Football New South Wales Institute. Junior Matilda, really exciting. She was a train-on player for Sydney last season. Now she's been recruited to an actual contract. Um, yeah, so overall, super keen to see how the Sydney team performs. They don't have a single international player to speak of. The only senior Matildas they have or only players with any senior Matildas caps are Ellie Brush and Teresa Polias, really. Princess Sabini sort of been in and around the fringes, but not really. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this will be uh, – see, Sydney FC, you know, they, they were the team that I – wrote about for the Guardian um, when they announced their squad very, very, very early. And I said in that article that this is uh, a team that symbolises the future direction of the league because this is a team that's filled with uh, sort of fringe young local players and they're all being uh, recruited um, and sort of structured in a, a way that I think sets the scene for the next sort of chapter of the league generally. So, yeah, I'll be keeping a really close eye on them and not just because I'm a Sydney fan. Sam, I think it's also interesting. Um, you mentioned the losses of Chloe Legazzo and Caitlin Ford and, to a lesser extent, Alana Kennedy. I think their sort of premature exits last season are going to be almost a blessing in disguise for Sydney FC. They've already had to learn how to play without them. They've had to learn how to function. They've had to – Ante's had to put trust in other players. And the, they made it to a grand final. To a large extent, they delivered. Like, a lot of these players did step up. They – and I know that players like um, Sofia Huerta were, were there at the time, but a lot of these players are proven W League players and they have shown they can do the job. They're reliable. That defence um, – Alana Kennedy has been injured on and off at times or missed games over the last couple of seasons anyway. We know that um, Liz Ralston and Ellie Brush can do a job. We know that Ali Green can play at fullback. We know we've got a good sight of a lot of these players. And the fact that you've just got the ever-present Teresa Polias, um, I think Nat Tobin did some good things last season too. Like These are players that know each other, as you said. They're reliable. They get the job done at W League level. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they go up up forward. I'm really excited to see how Alira Toby goes because I think she had some great moments for Brisbane Raw. We spoke about on the last pod, your chat with her about her time in Portugal, which didn't necessarily go to plan, but we know she can score goals at W League level. I think it's really important to maintain some sense of competition up forward. Um, we know that when they won the championship that year was when Princess Abini and Lisa Devanna sort of were competing for that one spot. That was when they had McCaskill, obviously. But I think it's good for players like um, 
Samson and Toby and even just having players like Courtney Vine come in who can add something different as well. I think it's quite exciting that they've got good competition for spots. I think they're going to be right up there again this season and for mine they should be right in the mix of favouritism because this is a team that knows knows how to get there. Bit of been there, done that. And yeah, they don't have some of the star studded names, but you just I just always feel like you can back them in, Sydney. Like they're reliable. And that's um for me that's as important as anything else this W League season. They've never missed finals, Sydney FC, and my official hot take is that it's theirs to lose Great. this season. But let's carry on with the final team to preview, the the Crosstown Rivals, the Western Sydney Wanderers. They enjoyed their best ever season last campaign. Sam, are they going to uh, regress, uh, go better or kind of stagnate? They are absolutely going to regress. It's, yeah, this is, I'm just, I'm really, yeah. I don't have a good feeling about this Wanderers team. Sorry, everyone. Uh, Like, last season was extraordinary for them, but they have lost almost every single starting player uh, that was a regular regular player for them last season. They've lost their entire front line, they've lost their entire midfield, and they've lost their two most important centre-backs. I... uh, I mean, the Wanderers are a difficult one, right, because they they have done so much good work off the field, you know, in the last couple of seasons in order to attract the best and brightest to them. They've got the, um, you know, they've got the training base. They've, they're really sort of um, pushing forward with their marketing. They're doing all this sort of really cool stuff. So I, I'm, I'm, it's going to be super shit to see them just sort of do, do a Newcastle, I guess, in, in the sense of doing really well one year and then just perhaps absolutely plummeting to the bottom of the table the next. Um, but in saying that, you know, there are, there are some really uh, exciting players that the Wanderers uh, are going to be um, featuring this season. Yeah, we saw the recruitment of Sarah Willisey from Adelaide United, obviously wanting a bit more of a challenge, um, wanting to be part of a new environment. I think that that's great for her. Uh, we've seen uh, the recruitment of Nicola Orgill from Canberra, as we mentioned. Um, really cool, uh, really talented, older, more experienced uh, fullback who's just experienced her first uh, season overseas uh, in Norway, where she did very well. We're seeing the return of Georgie Omendale, which is really exciting as well after a stint on the sidelines behind the mic. Um, that'll be super fun. She's listed as a defender in this team, uh, but something tells me that if the Wanderers aren't able to uh, bag some goals away, then perhaps she'll be shuffled up the field a little bit. Um, I think in midfield is perhaps where they've done their best business, bringing Lib- Libby Copas brown across from Newcastle um, and Olivia Price off, over from Canberra. I thought Price had a really good season for Canberra last, season, last year. Um, and complementing them are a couple of younger, uh, really vibrant, really promising young players recruited from the um, Football New South Wales Institute. So we've got Isabel Gomez and Sarah Hunter in there, um, really feisty players. And uh, further up front, we've got the recruitment of Tegan Collister from Newcastle. I think she's always a really exciting player that people love to watch. She's feisty, she's quick, uh, she's physical, uh, she gets stuff done, which is really fun. Uh, Lena Karmis comes from Canberra as well. I think a, a, an experienced head um, that is really going to lean quite heavily on her, uh, her sort of leadership uh, role this season in, in trying to keep this team as settled um, as possible. 
Uh, we've got a couple of other, again, other younger players, Briley Henry, Aideen Keane, a really, really exciting young player, Aideen Keane, from the Football New South Wales Institute, the two of them. Um, she scored a bag of goals in the NPL this year, um, widely touted as sort of a, a future Matilda as well. And in the last sort of 24 hours, 48 hours, we've also seen the recruitment of uh, Irish international Julianne Russell from Sydney University. Um, she's really exciting. She's played at the highest levels of the game, but she's never played in the W League. So it'll be good to see her um, sort of link up with a couple of her uh, MPL rivals uh, in this team. Um, but, yeah, I mean, again, talk about weaknesses, I sort of feel like, up front, even though there are a couple of exciting players there, there's not really a whole lot of goals that have been proven at this level um, and in defence as well. I mean, I think replacing someone like Sam Starb is just going to be almost impossible for them. So, yeah, haven't got a great feeling about uh, the Wanderers this season, but, you know, that's sort of become normal for this side uh, with the exception of a single season. So, I don't know. We'll see how they go. Sam, what do you expect out of um, Susan Fonsonkamp? Because I feel like she has been around the traps for so long. When she sort of burst on the scene and scored a goal in one of her first games, I think there was a lot of excitement. She's been in rep teams. I just don't feel – I know that last season, obviously, they had so much quality in terms of internationals taking those spots. But what can we expect from a player like this who's been around for a long time? You see her on the squad list every year. I think she was quite highly rated. But to date, I don't feel like we've seen a heap. Yeah, she was really highly rated when she first came across to the Wanderers from the MPL. Um, she had a, an outstanding season for the New South Wales Institute. I think she was the golden boot winner in that year. Um, really uh, technical kind of a player, really physical, not particularly quick, um, but she knows how to score goals and she likes taking on players, which is always really fun to watch. And, yeah, you're right, she hasn't really kicked on, but I think perhaps that's because she hasn't been given the opportunity to kick on quite as much as she would like. Um, the moments where she did, you know, she did seem a little bit out of place. Um, she didn't quite live up to or play up to the speed of the game, uh, which might be something that she has worked on hopefully in the off season. Uh, she played, she sort of made the jump across to Sydney Olympic, um, and did very well alongside Teresa Plyas in the NPL last year. Um, and a couple of other players sort of in and around there as well. So yeah, I, I've been... I've been looking forward to seeing uh, Susan take the next step. I don't know if she will um, this season, but hopefully in in seasons in the future she will because she is involved in national team setups and she's shown what she can do at that level. So, yeah, I'm just I'm just hoping hoping that she can do it for us because she's a really exciting player when you get to watch her at MPL level. So, all right, I think that's every team comprehensively covered. To be honest, so. Let's crack into prediction time because predictions are always fun and you always end up looking a bit silly at the end of the season, which is always a joy and a pleasure. So basically going to go round the Zoom, one word answers to the questions, real kind of rapid fire shootout sort of thing. So Angela, your top four for this season. My top four for this season, uh, Brisbane, Sydney, Victory, Canberra. Sam, top four? Same, in no particular order. Yeah, Brisbane, Victory, Sydney and Canberra. My top four is, in this order, Sydney, Brisbane, Victory, City. I am going in order, 
Sydney, Brisbane, Victory. And I'm putting City up there because you may remember like early episodes, Angela spoke about Leon and used the phrase, uh, used the phrase gentle inevitability. And I just think that mm. even though there is nothing to suggest that, you know, City will win this season, there's still something that's just like, but have you considered maybe they will? So that is my top four. All right, so we'll move on now to champions and wooden spoons. Sam, champions and wooden spoon, who? Champions, Brisbane, wooden spoon, Wanderers. Angela? Champions, Brisbane, wooden spoon, I'm sorry, Perth. Harrow? Champions, Sydney, wooden spoon, Perth. I'm the same as Harrow, truthfully. All right, now player to watch. I, I'll kick us off this time, actually. I'm not cheating, but I really think that this is the season for Kyra Cooney Cross. I'm just so excited to watch her, and I really think she's going to put in the season that, you know, really builds on the one that she had last, which was absolutely incredible. I really think she's going to take it to the next level. Sam, who are you excited to watch? Hannah Lowry. I've mm. spoken about Hannah Lowry before. Um, she, I honestly, like alongside Kyra Cooney-Cross, I think she is the future of the Matildas. And this is going to be hopefully the season, even though Perth maybe aren't looking like the goods, I think Hannah Lowry is. And this will hopefully be, you know, maybe she's sort of a couple seasons behind Kyra Cooney-Cross in terms of her breakout sort of development. But this will be the start of it because she finally has an opportunity to, to do what she does um, in this Perth side, given they're in, in the middle of a rebuild. So, yeah, Hannah Lowry for me. Anna, who are you watching? Well, I want to see Claire Wheeler because uh, Sam talks her up so much. Um, so I'd love to see how she goes for Sydney. My actual player watch is the same as you, Marissa, Kara Cooney-Cross. I think she is primed to break out. Like seeing recent shots and vision, she looks fit like – she looks ready to go. We know she was on the verge of that sort of breakout last season, albeit surrounded by quality players. And I think she can go to another level. I think this victory team is crafted beautifully for her to slot in at number 10 with players like Longo and Jackson behind her and really get to work. If she can put the head down, work hard, I don't think there's any reason why she can't kick on. And Angela, who are you watching? I wanted to say Kyra too, but... You can. We can all match. No, it's okay. Um, I'm actually excited to see Tori Tumith play because friend of the pod, Eric, pumps her up so much. I just want to see what the big deal is. And she sounds, in all honesty, sounds like a really great young player um, and will be accompanied by some strong strong players at her side in the city defence. So, yeah, Tori. Beautiful. All right, and last one, Golden Boot. We had a, a four-way tie at the end of last season, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Anna, who's your Golden Boot or Golden Boots? Emily Gilnick from Brisbane. She's banging in goals in Sweden and she's come back. She's happy. She's at home. And I know they've signed plenty of forwards, but I think she's the best of them and I think she will thrive. Angela, Golden Boot? Golden boot, uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Catherine Zimmerman. I w- otherwise would say Michelle Heyman, but I feel like she, over the past few years, has become more of a creator, not so much an out-and-out goal scorer. 
but I wouldn't be surprised if she gets up there as well. And Sam, Golden Boot? <sighs> I have a list of five, but I can't. I, I probably can't go past Remy Sampson because she's done it before. She did it last season. She's the reigning Golden Boot winner, joint Golden Boot winner. Uh, she knows how to score goals. She knows how to score goals in this team. She knows how to score goals against these defenders. Uh, so, yeah, Remy Sampson for me. And I'm going to be what may be considered a coward. I'm going joint golden boot, Remy Simpson, Catherine Zimmerman, partly because I think that they're both exceptional players and that they have the ability to really run riot, particularly, you know, Remy was one of the golden boot winners last season, and partly because I just really want them to kick on and score an absolute bag of goals, particularly Simpson. I really rate her and I just kind of want to like will her forward like go score more do do the thing you know what I mean so that is my kind of coward's answer but that's that is a very large dub preview from us we hope you have enjoyed listening we can't wait to hear all of your takes so don't be afraid to at us at the far post pod on social media We can't wait to talk more dub. We can't wait. It's very, very close now. So thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you are listening to us. And um, we'll we'll see you at the dub, hopefully. So until then, bye.